we are we are you know made to withstand a lot of the uh, you know traumas of the world but there are certain uh, shocks and traumas are really uh, outrageous right What's that you were point? not expecting and those unexpected traumas when that happens the body cannot cope with it and one of the simplest way to understand is that your mind that's electrical circuit it blows its fuse mm. it's burned welcome to the mindfulness experience podcast this is Keith Fiveson on this podcast i had the pleasure of speaking with Dr Raj Mehra who's the chairman and ceo of Celos Therapeutics after working nearly three decades on Wall Street, extensively in early stage biotechnology, Raj founded Celos Therapeutics to focus on developing therapies to address high unmet medical needs and rare diseases. He completed a reverse merger to take Celos public on the NASDAQ on January of 2019. Celos is currently developing therapies for suicidal depression, ALS, Parkinson's disease, and much, much more. I truly enjoyed this conversation with Raj. I hope you do too. Hey, 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 here we are at the Mindfulness Experience. I am so happy to have Dr. Raj Mehra. Uh, here and uh, he is the uh, CEO and chairman and founder of Celios Therapeutics. We met at the Wonderland Microdose Conference. What is happening? What's going on, Doctor? Keith, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, back to you and blessings. Oh, blessings um, to you too. Thank you. Uh, this is, we are busy as a bee, uh, working away on various programs disorder as well as neuroscience disorder. So happy to uh, share our thoughts uh, based on your interest. Uh, very, very interested. And I, I hope we have good audio here. I was, uh, I, I seem to have, uh, it seemed to have cut off a little bit. So I just want to make sure that we're doing okay here. So um, we met at the conference and this was a psychedelics conference and your company is involved in a very, very critical area uh, that I think is very important. You said you were busy, you're involved. Tell me a little bit, tell folks a little bit about who you are and what Celios Therapeutics is all about. So Celios Therapeutic, um, and by the way, we named the company after Blessed Celos. Celos um, Therapeutics, got it. Celos, and he was uh, in his lifetime cured uh, many diseases, uh, especially young girls who suffered for, from uh, neuropsychiatric and neurological diseases. That's why in honor of him, mm. we named it after it. And as the name suggests, we are focused on developing mm -hmm. intranasal ketamine mm -hmm. for a very unique indication, uh, which is patients who suffer from major depression for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Is sooner or later to think, uh, you know, start to think or ideate about suicide. Mm -hmm. And if they have been ideating about suicide for a while, mm -hmm. they will also attach a behavior or a plan mm -hmm. uh, how to end their lives. Mm -hmm. Suicide, it was, su suicide yeah. is a, a public health crisis. I mean, this is this is huge, right? 
uh, I will add global word, word mm. to that. So it's a global public health crisis. Mm. It turns out uh, Europe is similar to the US. Mm-hmm. Asia is worse than us. Mm. And no drug therapy approved worldwide for these patients. Mm. And given the nature, the drastic nature, that the whole existence they are trying to end, most of them will end up in the emergency rooms, whether mm. they are emergency rooms of China, Korea, mm. Japan, mm. Uh, Europe, or the US or Latin America, mm. because they don't know where else to turn. Their family don't oh. know where to and, and the problem is the clinicians don't have a drug uh, mm. to give them. So w- what do they do? They mm-hmm. basically bring them in and incarcerate them, quote unquote, in the safe surrounding of a hospital beds Mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. week uh, in the Western world mm-hmm. and uh, as long as one to two months in Asia. Mm-hmm. So this and is- yet, yet, you know, uh, you know, when they were released, they will be stable, uh, stabilized that they can't imminently self-harm, but mm-hmm. we have not really treated it, uh, their underlying disorder. So that's the biggest challenge that we were, we thought we will take on and try to address. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, we, I was invited to this breakfast that you guys put on. I was very moved, touched, and inspired by the product, by what you're doing. When I say the product, I mean, you're using ketamine. And ketamine traditionally has been used as, uh, with animals in, in, in you know, a, a veterinary setting, right, as a, as a, as, as a way to go ahead and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Agreed. Uh, however, um, just to make it clear, so in the U.S., the FDA is very clear that the ketamine is actually used for, uh, you know, approved in an IV format only mm-hmm. for a single use for anesthesia for humans as well. Mm. As well as, as, as you know, as well as animals. So. Ketamine is legal throughout the United States, and certainly has been used with uh, treatment-resistant uh, depression. And we understand that it, the efficacy rates are very, very high. And one of the things I was very struck by, and you had mentioned this, and and I again, it sort of blew my mind, is the fact that in a lot of cases, people go into the hospital. They talk about you know, suicide, and they put them on SSRIs. And in ma- many cases, the SSRIs, the co- the indications of the SSRIs are that they create depressive people. Exactly right. So, and there are two kinds of antidepressants. The one you mentioned, SSRIs, uh-huh. uh, they, they're approved. And then those are serotonin, uh, you know, allergic, uh, you know, antidepressant. And then there are SNRIs. So, they're also antidepressants, slightly different norepinephrine uh, track that they uh, they follow. Mm-hmm. What is unique about both of them is they in their label they actually say that these drugs lead to increase in suicide thoughts. Right. Wow. So they may be effective, efficacious for depressive symptoms, but not for suicidal symptoms, and they are actually the wrong drug to be on. Wow. for to uh, control the suicide tendency so hence the huge unmet need and hence our efforts in that area to develop clinically with the help of the fda mm-hmm. a program that can really help these patients mm-hmm. wow so your company uh uh really uh and you're a publicly traded company and you have it's not only about 
you know, acute suicidal ideation and behaviors, but you've also got some other solutions out there uh, that we didn't hear about at the conference, which really get into ALS and Parkinson's and so on, right? So you're from an intranasal, uh, and is it all with ketamine? Uh, it's e-ketamine, right? Right. So the reason, uh, two, two questions. So the reason uh, we did not get into, um, uh, you know, uh, into the other indications, those are non-ketamine products. So there are different drugs mm -hmm. developing for ALS and Parkinson's and uh, uh, spinocerebellar ataxia and other, other diseases. Mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of your other question, so our drug is racemic ketamine. So racemic is uh, just to explain. So when a compound or a drug mm -hmm. has chirality in it, okay, it's a, it's a, you know, simple term, but complicated to explain. But so the chirality means um, that it has its own mirror image that cannot be superimposed on it. So what does that mean? If you and I were to stand in front of a mirror, our left hand becomes the right hand of the mirror. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and our image cannot be superimposed because we have the chirality, okay? So that means we are not symmetric. If we were totally symmetric, if we were, let's say, a, uh, a dumbbell, a barbell, and if you take a, a mirror image of that in a mirror, you can't tell, you know, mm -hmm. they'd look the same. But once you have a chirality, you cannot superimpose the mirror images. So it turns out those um, chiral compounds have a mirror images with the same exact chemical formula. Mm -hmm. But because of the different geometric orientations of a different um, moieties within that compound, you could have a potentially different drug effect. Mm -hmm. And our compound, racemiketamine, is a equal proportion, 50-50% proportion of both of its mirror images. Mm -hmm. Whereas, for example, S-ketamine that's approved that's only one part of that mirror image is 100%. Got uh, and that's a different, yeah, different efficacy. So what we have found is the same academy uh, where we have both uh, both uh, mirror images has a dramatically um, better efficacy and uh, and, and uh, tolerable side effects. So we've got S-ketamine, which has been approved through the FDA. And then you've got this racemic ketamine, uh, which yeah. is a standard of care on symptoms specifically as you start taking a look at major depressive disorder and suicidality uh, and you know people who are assessed in imminent risk of suicide and then you're running these baseline measures you have this whole program that's out there to go ahead and run these baselines so tell me a little bit about that because you know one of the things i'm very aware of personally i i, I didn't really talk about it all that much. I don't really talk about it all that much in general, but you know, my mother died at 51, you know, and uh, when I was a kid, God she was bless her soul. suicidal. She was very suicidal. She, you know, basically uh, was traumatized and, and uh, you know, as a kid and, you know, very victimized and so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, she lived with that all of her life and she drank herself uh, to death at 51. Uh, I think that had she had the ability to have S-ketamine or, uh, you know, rents or it's racemic ketamine, which is what you're working on. She might have been out of that. And I'm just, you know, she would, would have been able to go ahead and deal with her trauma. So I was very struck by, 
you know, the work that you're doing on a personal level, because I, you know, I, I, my heart went out as a, as someone who's done a lot of work myself, my heart goes out to my mother thinking, oh, if she only knew, if she only had, can you talk about your trials and can you talk about your work a little bit more? So first of all, our heartfelt sympathies for your pride experience, uh, what you went through with your mother, but remember she she was made in the image of God. She's eternal soul. So you mm. can still communicate with her and keep her, uh, you know, uh, you, she's, she's, you know, your love is, et- love I is do. eternal. I do. Right? I, I just, love is eternal. I, I just, I just brought her into the space. So exactly. So we are talking about it as if she might as well be in the next yeah, door and she yeah, is. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank so you. That's, the, that's the tragedy that we see. Um, it's a huge Mm. How do you really deal with it? Um, and here was the question, almost all the drugs that were uh, developed so far for antidepressant, you go to the FDA website, they will tell you these depressant drugs, antidepressant drugs, they only work for depression, not for suicide, as we just discussed. And then they it takes six to eight weeks before they will uh, show any effect as an antidepressant and that again in 40 to 50% of the time they will work. In the suicidality, when a patient is imminently suicidal, that means they are planning, they have a specific plan, how to end their lives. And these plans are very specific. Mm-hmm. Such and such event needs to happen and I'll do such and such things, okay? Mm-hmm. I will, I'm going to overdose, I'm going to jump, I'm going to use this or that weapon. So they have a very specific plan. So in other words, when we encounter or the medical community encounter these patients, and remember, generally when you're walking around, nobody's going to bring them to the uh, you know, clinician's care, but once there is a trouble uh, you know, develops, you bring them into the uh, clinical care. You need something that works right away. So the FDA says, wait a minute, here's what we would like to do in this kind of situation. We want a drug that shows antidepressive effect after a single dose. Remember, antidepressant takes six to eight weeks to show that effect. So they wanted a drug that works right away after a single dose as an antidepressive. And on top of that, they also should be shown as an anti-suicidal effect. So that was a high hurdle for us. But I can tell you, if any drug that matches that challenge is the mm-hmm. uh, and And that's where we are focused on it. And what we showed, by the way, Last year, we showed 17 patients open-label data. It was remarkable. After a single dose, you see a very um, you know, profound effect, both as antidepressant and antisuicidal at the same time. So much so after five doses, and these doses were given twice weekly, so over two weeks, you get 100% responses that the patients are normal and in the, on the antidepressant uh, scale, and also normal. Uh, you know, with not even suicidality on suicidality scales. It's very hopeful. And Mm. so the current study, um, you know, that's undergoing, I wanted to talk to you, Keith, so we can introduce a ray of hope Mm -hmm. among, you know, literally millions of uh, these patients worldwide uh, that are suffering from this, that there is something on the way and and we will, uh, by golly, once once we finish this study, and if it's that successful, uh, if FDA is available to wide swath of patients, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's a ray of hope 
uh, that we think we should introduce to, uh, to all your audience and all the patients that are suffering from this for a long time. That's absolutely wonderful. So I know we broke up a little bit in terms of the uh, audio. I just wanted to make sure that people were very clear. So the intranasal delivery is very simple, right? I mean, you are you don't have to do IV, you don't have to do IM. I mean, I, I know that, you know, within a clinical environment, you know, there's no lozenges here. I mean, it's just, a, it's really a process of through intranasal, there's a, a ability through four yeah. to five doses to go ahead and actually help individuals be present to their lives and really kind of come to terms with who they are and where they're at. Now, when we say it reduces the suicidality, what are we really talking about here? Because at the end of the day, I know, you know, I'm in a, uh, a psychedelic assisted therapy program. I work with individuals, I coach them, I teach them mindfulness, I teach them how to be present to their lives, how to have gratitude and so on and so forth. So if someone goes in there and they feel suicidal, you know, and their life is crap, or they feel like their life is crap, right? They can't pay the bills, their girlfriend just left, their mother, father, whoever, they were in some sort of disaster, whatever. And that really turns them to suicide. How is it that the drug itself, you know, the racemic ketamine that you're using from an intranasal viewpoint, how is it that it helps individuals? Does it change their mind? And if so, what is sort of the after, if you will, the, you know, the, 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 the back studies that say, okay, how are you now and what's different? Excellent question. So I'll, I'll put it in two categories. First, look at it just on the scale side. What is the scale, the suicidality? How do we know uh, the original question that the drug versus anti-suicidality? Then we'll go into the scientific rationale. How does the, you know, the drug actually work in the, in the brain? On the scale side, so that was a challenge. So one of the way the FDA says was what we can look for is can we reduce the severity of suicidality? So they concocted a scale one to five. One, patient is normal. Two is uh, patients are mildly suicidal. Three is moderate. Four is severe. And five is extremely severe suicidality that you are going to literally do something right now rather than tomorrow, okay? And, and, the, and the point was that if we can reduce the severity of a patient, the person who comes in the severe, we can make a moderate, or moderate person becomes mild, that in itself will be a victory because we are reducing the severity of the suicidality. Whereas what we found that we brought in patients at four level and we brought them mostly to one, which is normal. So forget, you know, uh, you're pay, uh, taking the severe patient to moderate and mild level, we brought them to a normal level. So that was a very distinct change. And by mm -hmm. the way, they, uh, since you have done other uh, studies, there's a Columbia suicidality scale, CSSRS, that's widely used for almost all the drugs to mm -hmm. measure the severity of the suicidality. So those were the scale side. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so we brought them. That's the scales measurement scientists and the clinicians look for and have a look for to show that the drug is having effect. The, your other broader question is, how does it really work? Mm. So simplistically here is how we will say it when there is a shock to the system human body we are we are you know made to withstand a lot of the uh, you know, traumas of the world 
but there are certain uh, shocks and traumas are really uh, outrageous. You know, whether it could be half your families die because of a, you know, a hurricane left, you know, or, or, you know, shock to the system, your young kids, God forbid, uh, they die of something right. that you were point? not expecting. And yeah. those unexpected traumas, when that happens, the body cannot cope with it. And one of the simplest way to understand is that your mind, that's an electrical circuit, mm -hmm. it blows its fuse. Mm. It's burned. Mm -hmm. Okay. And once it's burned, it cannot work function. You know, mm. you don't have all those neuro uh, transmitters right. uh, passing messages and, and you again being able to interact with the world, not in this original way as, as God intended it to be. So what ketamine does, and this has been amply demonstrated in all the preclinical models, when you give uh, ketamine to uh, humans, it starts to create new dendrites or spines mm -hmm. around within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And those spines and dendrites that are being created in these, they could be the new way of rewiring the brain. So now that you're fusing... Just yes. to simplify, simplify it a little. So what I hear you saying is sort of like if we imagine the roots of a tree, right? right? The brain. So what happens is you give the ketamine and like the roots of a tree, you start seeing these branches that go out to other areas of the brain that start to interconnect with other areas is what I understand. Is that right? Right. So this, when the circuit is broken and blown, no uh, uh, you know, transmission of messages can take place. But now by rewiring new uh, spines, you, uh, you know, you're allowing those messages to cross through. And mm. yes, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, your weight is overlifted and you, you will start looking at the life differently again, that life is indeed uh, worth living and it's, it, it has its abundance. Uh, that was not possible when the whole, uh, you know, the fuse was blown, then there was nothing getting through. And those patients, you know, they are almost like catatonic. Mm. They don't uh, listen to the clinicians. They don't listen to their family ones. Whereas what we saw, once you give ketamine within two to three hours, mm. patient prior, I mean, they were not responding to anything. No matter what you were saying, they were mm -hmm. the ketamine uh, delivery uh, intranasally. They want to know about their dogs. They want to mm -hmm. want to make a call uh, to their uh, you know uh, daughters, mm -hmm. and, and they want to see how things are. So all of a sudden, right. it looks like it the the transmission has started again, and right. and they can respond to the world. In so, so so and again the audio sort of broke up a little bit, but what I heard you say was, you know they uh, may be so fixated on uh, suicide, and then you give them the ketamine. And regardless of where they might have been at, you know, suddenly, you know, my grandmother used to say, God closes a door and opens up two windows. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, there's, the <laughs> so there's this wonderful opportunity. They start opening up, asking about their dog, asking, is that pretty much, you know, the. That's I, it. And those open <laughs> windows, then all of a sudden uh, you can you can see there is a way out. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and you can respond to the world. And that's the most beautiful thing. And our job, as you know, our team says, we so save one soul, our mm -hmm. job on this planet is done.
I mean, I yeah. think we feel good about that. So, so this is so this is a big deal. I mean, I'm looking at some of the numbers. You know, the age-adjusted suicide rate in 2020 was you know 13.48 per 100,000 individuals. The highest rate was middle-aged white men in uh, 2020. Men died by suicide three, almost four times more than women, and on average, 130 suicides per day. Uh, white males, apparently 70% that something's going on with those white men. I can't, you know, they're, they're, I don't know. But, uh, you know, during COVID, we had an alarming rate. I understand that the suicide rate jumped from 1999 to 2018 by 35%. COVID marked it up dramatically. And, you know, there's a public health crisis here. You started out by talking about this. And I can't believe that there's just not, there hasn't been, and you know, you're at the precipice of offering a simple or convenient way to go ahead and knock this problem down to its knees. From your mouth to God's ears, uh, just to add to some of the uh, other real numbers, in the emergency rooms in the U.S., we are seeing almost close to one in eight patients showing up every year. How many? Because again? they tried to one and a half million patients. Wow. I mean, because they try to end their lives. And that number keeps on going up and up and up every year, few percentage points. Wow. And when you go to Asia, percentage per capita wise, it's worse. I'm in a tiny country like uh, Korea. They have 53 million population. We have 330 million. So they call them, you know, they are like less than one sixth of our population. And they have 300,000 patients showing up in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Only one fifth of what we have, although mm -hmm. their you know, population is less than one sixth. And there's not, no solutions right now. So I think, look, this is a worldwide problem. And I only spoke about right now, gave you the numbers, people who actually attempted and showed up in the emergency room. And then there is a bigger number than that that are in the psychiatrist setting, they are still suffering from uh, suicide thoughts and have a behavior. They have just not acted on it yet. So this is a really a tip of the iceberg. So that's where I was gonna go. I mean, I was talking, I was just thinking about the efficacy rates and, you know, we see immediately that there's this high percentage rate of people that change their mind, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, when we start taking a look at, I believe, you know, trauma and the, uh, advantage of looking at psychedelics or ketamine really allow you to go ahead and shut off the default mode network, which is really the rumination area of the brain, mm -hmm. and it allows you to sort of go deep into the subconscious realm and really kind of look at suppressed trauma and really go ahead and I, I say reboot, reset, reframe, exactly window around it. And I'm just wondering from the viewpoint of the efficacy rates going forward whether how how it's impacted by you know whether or not we're talking about talk therapy or you know uh, uh, any other kind of therapy you know which their act or family systems or ifs or any of that i mean i'm just wondering because we're just talking about the medicine here with with you know your company and i'm i'm, I'm just wondering how if your view is that the therapy the intervention and then the obviously the therapy going forward how how that really helps 
So uh, uh, the question, uh, other things help, but let me explain that. First, we wanted to come up with a simple solution uh, where um, no matter what the people are currently doing, what medications they are on, they can keep all those medications on. Ketamine just goes on top. So because of where they were, uh, that they were trying to end their lives, both FDA and us thought, let's not mess with their existing uh, daily chores. We just give them an extra tool on top that help uh, reorient their brains and save their lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once we have done that, all other kind of therapies, mm-hmm. psychotherapies, meditations, prayer, those have been shown. I mean, even not in this setting, the other settings, the prayer has been shown in the placebo controlled study that they mm-hmm. actually help. So we always recommend. Mm-hmm. That that those are because we are not made. Man is not an hour, no matter what some of the you know dissident authors have talked about. We are made to interact socially mm-hmm. with others, and right. and right. psychotherapies and meditations and prayers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you're interacting with your creator or with a clinician who is an expert in that, mm-hmm. those are all helpful tools. Mm-hmm. They should be part of the, the uh, you know the background uh, help on top of what we are providing. Mm-hmm. Right, so within the process of looking at psychedelic assisted therapy, for example, I'm using this as an example, we talk about set, which is really about mindset. It's really about what's your intention and what's your mindset, because that really helps you to then go into the administration, which is the setting, right? And you know, and then out of the administration, the setting, you come out of that based on you know uh, your, who you are and what your body weight is and all of that other stuff. You come out of that with some real, you know, enlightenment, if you will, insights, and that's really about integration. So what I uh, really hear you saying is that if you have those tools, mindfulness, a higher power, community, you know, I mean, one of the things that we do know about addiction, for example, is that the cure for addiction is really around community. It's really around being connected. A A A is always work, right? Right. uh, I mean, the AAs work. Look, you know, to once we open that up for them, uh, Mm -hmm. it really, first of all, we need to make sure it does not matter how dire the situation is look mm-hmm. for this. This, it should say, hey, think is conquerable. There is always a solution, okay? Each and every individual human being mm-hmm. is unique, mm-hmm. unrepeatable. There is a reason why we look at DNA and uh, fingerprint. They're unrepeatable. There is nobody like Keith Fiveson uh, before and after you. Now your sons and your uh, siblings may look like you, uh, but still, they will not be exactly the same as you. You are unique, okay? And mm-hmm. that is why each and every soul is precious to any civilized society. And and we think we should offer these tools where we can just let them live their life abundantly as mm-hmm. it was intended to be. But let them let's give them their tools whenever they have these kind of disorders. So they can get out of those, overcome those uh, disabilities. So you know, I, I I'm really struck, Raj, by your 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 mission and your passion. I mean, your passion is your mission, and I'm really right. struck by it. You speak with a, a man that has a lot of passion, and I'm wondering uh, for you, tell me a bit about your story, and you know, uh, like right now, 
what you see some of the challenges along the way uh, going forward and and you know what you know what 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 do you see as some maybe some specific milestones or benchmarks to go ahead and you know drive success i mean you're obviously driving a public company you're involved with a with a mission to go ahead and help individuals and you've got different areas of the company as i said als parkinson's acute suicidal ideation and behavior but you know how do you come to this i mean you know this is not like something that you wake up one morning when you're you know 15 years old or you're in college and you say you know hey i want to get in the suicidal ideation business you know i mean what's your what's your story because i hear you're also a man who's got some wonderful spirit some you're grounded somewhere in spirit so i i, yes. I asked why i asked the question so thank you for those you know look we are all a product of our background and upbringing so it starts with our families you know who uh, you know, uh, who made us who we are. They instructed us and and uh, into this country on a scholarship uh, to Columbia University in New York. And I stayed there too long. I mean, I collected five graduate degrees from them. Um, and then in the process, remember, I was a very, um, you know, uh, staunch, uh, you know, uh, science, science man. And, and to me, uh, you know, it, it was all about just the matters, you know, unless you can measure it, you know, scientifically, things don't exist. But in the process, I met my beautiful wife at Columbia, mm -hmm. and, and that led to my huge conversion. And I became Catholic in the uh, year 2004. Mm -hmm. and, and it was, and that conviction was just literally studying, I mean, literally thousands of books mm -hmm. uh, on every kind of uh, philosophy and theology you can think of it. So it really, you know, uh, the more uh, deeper you get into the our human bodies, mm -hmm. you see how even at the cell level, how things are created. We mm -hmm. talk, we take pride in right now, we just discovered recycling about 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Well, look, guess what? The way in the cell processes work, uh, there are billions of those activities are taking place back and forth. And there is a corrective mechanism in recycling. The moment there's an error happens and mm -hmm. you get some misfolded protein, mm -hmm. the creator has created a design where you mm -hmm. can recycle those things. Oh, those things are marked for those things should be just lassoed in, recycled into its main components. So, you know, the, the more you see it, uh, you know, the beautiful design that's there, that it's worth preserving. Mm -hmm. And in terms of our, uh, you know, uh, where we are currently, we are doing a uh, placebo-controlled uh, blinded study. Uh, we should have the data out first year, uh, first half of next year, mm -hmm. and and then we will take that study to the FDA. And FDA will have a two option: either they approve this drug uh, mm -hmm. now and the mm -hmm. first study, or they require a second study. So with that in thought, we already and we also told you that this is a global problem. So we already have had discussions with the global uh, authorities, equivalent of FDA in Japan called PMDA. And we are already going to start our ketamine study in the Japanese population. Mm -hmm. So initially we'll do a dose findings, what's the appropriate dosing for Japanese population, and then do a second study that'll be global in nature. Mm -hmm. We'll include mm -hmm. patients in Asia, Europe, and the US. And the point being with the second global study and the current study that we are doing, we can file it for worldwide approval for this indications. Mm -hmm. And remember, this indication is for intranasal ketamine. Mm -hmm. We are also working on a sublingual ketamine. 
And there we will focus on other diseases, neuropathic diseases, things like, uh, you know, complex regional pain syndrome. Mm -hmm. Nothing approved worldwide. And we had had too many patients that come to us and they said the only thing that works is ketamine. So we are working on a sublingual ketamine for neuropathic pain, whether it's CRPS, the complex regional pain syndrome, or neuropathic pains like diabetic peripheral neuralgia. Huge unmet need. There's nothing efficacious. So that's that's our game, uh, you know, long-term game plan. Wow, well, 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 well. That's a wonderful story. I love the I love the fact that you stayed at uh, Columbia too long, uh, <laughs> and uh, that uh, you met your wife there and you had a conversion. I mean, that's beautiful. I uh, did my undergrad at uh, St. Peter's, uh, a uh, Jesuit uh, college, and my graduate work over at Fordham. Uh, so. You know, so I I, I I share that. I I, I kind of look at myself as a as a child of the universe. I guess that, that sounds so '60s and so hippie like, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of kind of kind of true. You know, I I think that uh, many paths, one truth, and you know, I did my MDiv over at the New Seminary, which is interfaith. So uh, I really appreciate the spirit. I appreciate the work that you're doing and uh, really saving lives and helping lives helping people live better lives and more mindful lives and uh, be more present. So how do people find out more about your company? I know, uh, you know, Silos uh, is a, a public company. You're traded on the NASDAQ. Uh, the uh, ticker symbol is S-E-E-L. Is that right? Seal. Yeah, S-E-E-L, Seal. And they can also go to SilosTherapeutics.com, uh, our website. Uh, if not, uh, if they don't know how to pronounce it, just Google it and Google will easily take you there. They can use my name, uh, you know, Raj Mara and Silos, and, the, you know, they can, should be able to find it. And our website, there are all the, there's a button. Uh, where you can directly send me an email. I mean, it'll come to us and, and we can respond to that. So we are, again, open to the whole world, the entire universe, Keith. So we are with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. You know? that's, that's absolutely wonderful. Well, I know we connected uh, at uh, Wonderland, the conference. I uh, really appreciated. Uh, uh, I, I was the guy that asked all the questions uh, and I still have loads of questions and loads of interest. So I appreciate you uh, opening up and sharing those with me. Keith, thank you so much to, for having uh, us. And and guess what? Maybe next year uh, upon data, let's do a follow-up and we can give you an update uh, update uh, of the program. Until then, hey, 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 to you, back to you, Keith. Hey, 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 love it, <laughs> love it. Thank you, Raj. Thank you, Keith. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.